0: 10 or 20 years ago, it was about Mm -hmm. a name, it was a single name or one syllable, you know, it was Apple or Sonos or these Mm -hmm. types of, you know, those types of words, um, Supreme, you know, were these big sort of brands that came out and it was all based on the brand. Mm -hmm. But now we've gotten to a place where it's really based on the backstory.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Wine, Whiskey, & Read Show. This is your host, Sid Patel. I'm the CEO of Favorite Spirit Network and today my guest is David Palestruck. David is an author of a book called Branding Bird. He also has worked in many companies like American Express, MasterCard, PepsiCo, Microsoft and these are just a few which I know. David, uh, I think I'll have you have, have your proper introduction done but you're an expert in branding and what I really wanted to talk about is how cannabis brands can get their branding right today with you. So David, over to you. Why don't you just uh, give us a little you know, context story about you know how you entered into cannabis and before that about your corporate career please
0: yeah sure um well i've uh i mean years ago i studied um, product design and industrial design at parsons school of design so i've always been interested in the development of products and really in the development of products you know you start off with what the problem is and who your mm-hmm. customer is so whether you know it was at mastercard or microsoft or pepsi you know it was always about focusing on the customer and that's one thing that i think the the cannabis industry seems to miss a little bit you know Mm -hmm. we we create brands here without really thinking about who we're creating brands for Mm -hmm. Uh, not too long ago people said you know to me in particular hey you know who, who needs who needs um who needs cannabis branding Um, Mm -hmm. cells itself, you know, and and the truth is that uh, that might have been the case, you know, years ago, but it's Mm -hmm. not anymore. So, you know, with all the different form factors that that are in play, um, and all of the different uh, cannabinoids that are now benefit specific, you know, it's really important to start off with who you're who your customer is, who your consumer is, um, as the first starting point. Mm-hmm. From there, you start to look at what their lifestyle is and what their demographic is. And really you get into their need states and rituals, right? So mm-hmm. um, if you know that somebody consumes cannabis right before they go to sleep to, to put them to bed, or mm-hmm. first in the morning, you know, to inspire them, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's just different um, you know, different needs and different need states and different rituals that people uh consume their cannabis. Products. Got it. So if
1: there was a cannabis, uh, like a brand questioner, right? Like, let's say I'm sure you, you know, as a professional would ask any entrepreneur that, hey, here's 10 questions first answer for me to get an understanding of what you're trying to do, right? Like to understand your customer and so on. Uh, what kind of brand uh, you know, questions you would ask, uh, you know, first to understand who your consumer is?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the funny thing is I'm working on a rebranding project right now. Mm-hmm. Um, And the logo of this company is very strong, very um, Mm -hmm. masculine. And um, my first question was, who are you actually selling to? Because they're a B2B company um, Mm -hmm. and they support the industry. And so I had asked them, and the answer was they weren't really sure who they were selling to. Mm -hmm. Purchasing managers was the answer. And I Mm -hmm. said, who are your purchasing managers? You have a list. Let's go take a look. And we Mm -hmm. looked. And to our surprise, 65% of the people that bought their products on a monthly, on an ongoing basis, on a mm-hmm. recurring basis, were women. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it just behooves them to really understand who they're selling to and, mm-hmm. and to appeal to their customers. Great. So that brings me to a
1: follow-up question, which I was just making a note on. Uh, you know, I wanted to understand, let's say I'll throw in four or five different profiles. Uh, just throw in like quick you know 30 seconds on this is how a good brand would uh, relate to for this kind of consumer right so let's say first is uh you know uh, i think woman consumer who is 35 to 45 you know wh- what's your advice on using the colors the branding the tone what kind of branding work for that
0: mm-hmm. well i mean excuse me, there's definitely the psychology of color. Mm-hmm. You know, and I talk about that in my book a lot where, you know, blue and green are the most prevalent colors and the most light colors by males and females, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. But again, it comes back down to, you know, you, you said women in, in their, you know, thirties to forties, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, those are typically um, younger women who, who might have kids. They, you know, a stereotype here could be a soccer mom, you know, they're busy with their kids, they're busy with the job. Um, they have to consume discreetly, which then leads into form factors. It might be a tincture or a mint or or you know, so by better knowing who that consumer is and that persona, you can actually speak to them and really provide us a, a solution to their problem. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if they can't smoke in front of their kids or smell like cannabis, um, then selling them a pre-roll isn't going to solve their their issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Understood. Good point. Uh, what about men consumer? what What's different there?
0: Well, you, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the difference with men and, and women, just from a gender perspective, um, you know, men typically consume more, um, but men are more open about their willingness or desire to get high, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas women are more focused on relieving stress or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even in that different approach, if you will, it's, mm-hmm. important. you know, you can leverage that into products. Understood. An example that I often give here is, um, you know, I talk about additive and subtractive. So, mm-hmm if someone is in an additive state of mind, when they're using cannabis, they're looking for inspiration. They're looking for focus. Maybe they'll consume before a hike or before going skateboarding or before doing yoga or something like that. Whereas in a subtractive state, it's more like taking Advil or, or Tylenol. You have a headache, you have a back pain, you want to go to sleep. It's more about alleviating something and that mind state is very different. So Mm -hmm. You know, depending on how you're coming to cannabis and what you're looking from it, that also has everything to do about how you market it and how you meet that consumer where they are in that particular moment.
1: Got it. So, you know, if I had to sum it up, it's the consumer, and more importantly, is what is the utility of that consumption, right? Am I taking for sleep? Am I taking for getting focus? Or doing a party? But want to be high? You know. So, what is the focus? And then you sort of relate to that in your packaging and come up with maybe a name as well right to to start with
0: yep i i look at it as four pillars to building a meaningful brand so the first Mm -hmm. thing is the consumer the second thing that comes out of that is their 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 lifestyle and their need states right Mm -hmm. so that and that leads to can i consume discreetly or can i consume indiscreetly if they're going Mm -hmm. to just consume discreetly then they need a mint or a sublingual slip or a patch or or an edible if they're look if they consume indiscreetly then they're going to light up a pre-roll or a blunt or a bong or something like that so once you start to know what their lifestyle is Mm -hmm. and how they consume then you can supply them with a product that's right for their consumption but then Mm -hmm. on top of that then you you overlay that with what I call the brand archetypes, which is really the packaging. That's where you get down to the fonts and the colors and the type of packaging. Is it recycl- recyclable or not? That's where all the bells and whistles go off to really speak to um, the consumer and hook them in once you have figured out their problem. Now that's the the icing on the cake, if you will, when mm. you get that. Got it.
1: So I'm trying to relate this with you know uh, some of my personal experiences let's say on alcohol bev, right? Uh, we are launching our own gin brand as well. And, and the idea was to really first define what this brand is about. You know, naming was a little bit later. So it was, it was just defining about what you want to do, right? And then what do you want brand to do and so on. So is that a right approach? And then you come up with the name in the limited that is, is this name doing that? And then you keep on looking for names, which actually fits into that category. Let's say my, my brand was you know Corka, which is the world's happiest animal. So idea was to play around with happiness, right, and sell happiness and promote happiness and so on. So we did not go the name route, which I normally took when I was in wine business, which is just pure name and then come up with whatever nice packaging with that catchy name. So what's the theory? You know, you you have so much experience in coming up with the name or a philosophy or a concept. What what, what do you suggest on where to start? How what is the right way to come up with a perfect end to end sort of thing?
0: Well, you know, it's funny that the answer to that has changed over time, right? You know, you know, I think a few years ago, not too long ago, it was really about the name. You know, maybe maybe ten or twenty years ago, it was about Mm -hmm. a name. It was a single name or one syllable. You know, it was Apple or Sonos or these Mm -hmm. types. You know, those types of words. um, Supreme. You know, were these big sort of brands that came out, and it was all based on the brand. Mm -hmm. But now we've gotten to a place where it's really based on the backstory, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then the the graphic or the imagery sort of comes later. It's really like what does
1: the brand stand for sort of
0: things. Yes. 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 You know, and if you really look at the evolution of branding over, you know, over over the last couple of decades, Mm -hmm. not too long ago. So if you think about, let's go to the 50s and 60s. 50s Mm -hmm. and 60s were really about. Um, efficiency so you know that's when industrial you know that was post-war industrial things were taking place modernization uh modern america was taking yeah place. you
1: basically i get your point you you're looking at what is a mass scale as well you, a functionality of the production as well is a part of a brand right like Pepsi can design of that can is important because of the production uh, challenges
0: right but but in the 50s and 60s or let's say 50s through 70s it was more about efficiency so if you were selling a car it was miles per gallon Right. Oh, understood. And and then once you got to maybe the 70s and 80s, you'd sell that car in a different way. It was more like the wind blowing through your hair as you drove the car. It was more about how the car made you feel more than it was about the, the efficiency. And then when we got into like the 80s and 90s into the 2000s, it was really about how did that car differentiate you in society's hierarchy? Mm -hmm. You know, an expensive car, where does that put you? And then finally, we're now at this place where it's really what you believe. So now people drive Teslas, of course, for the, you you know, for the, um, for the hierarchical, the the notoriety and sort of the, the label, but they're also buying into the, the electric, uh, you know, vehicle, the the future, um, moving away from uh, gas and petroleum, and that's, you know, and if you even think about Whole Foods and how Whole Foods Whole Foods started, you know, with people that were foodies that were coming in and saying, "Hey, I don't want to buy this anymore. I really want healthier food. This is what mm. I believe, it's better for the environment. Um, it's better for me." Those types of things, and mm. so, you know, over the, over the course of time, the answer to your question has changed. So Mm -hmm. to answer your question now is you're better off looking for that backstory. You're better off looking for the meaning behind the brand, the promise Mm -hmm. behind the brand. So people buy into your story and then you continuously um, and consistently fulfill that promise that you've created.
1: So, what is a good brand to you? You know, uh, where you think that okay, I think this this is has a potential. Okay, I'm not, I don't want an answer based on Apple or Nike here. It is something where absolutely it's day one, and you know that this has hit a home run brand for branding.
0: Oh boy, God, I don't know. Like nothing, nothing is uh, just something.
1: You know, sometimes you see and you know, oh wow, that is a good package overall.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is probably going to be obvious, maybe less obvious than, than Nike or Apple, but I think, you know, on the smaller level, can has done a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they've done a great job because they, they picked their, their market, you know, I guess it's funny when they first came into the market, they weren't an LBGTQIA plus brand. They oh, were okay. a confused beverage. And I want to say it was June twenty. 20- 20 um you know in that month where the company all of a sudden really started to promote their association with the gay community um and you know and then now today people really know can is of course a cannabis infused beverage but with a with a real tie-in to the LGBT, LGBTQIA plus community. And so, and that's not only because of the owners, but it's because Ellen DeGeneres and Gwyneth Paltrow and Rosario Dawson and a whole bunch of others have invested. So I think what's cool about them is they're in it for the long haul. Um, you know, they're investing heavily to create, you uh, their brand awareness within specific communities mm-hmm. um, whereas many of the other uh, you know at least in this case cannabis infused beverages are trying to appeal to everybody you know they're mm-hmm. they're trying to be they're, they're so trying to
1: I, I get it uh, I have a, a contradiction there you know sometimes it's so hard to be disciplined to play with the brand book like okay these are the brand tones these are the brand guidelines this is what you can post on social media this is what you can't because ultimately it's that if you play the game in that parameter the brand image comes out eventually right it's much clearer but then for young and startups you know if they don't get a sale they're just going to say hey buy today here's a discount you know or something happens and you start deviating right so it's very hard you know can is a different example because they were backed up with a lot of money and this and that so they had a long runway uh, you know but if someone is just really with their own money it's so hard to understand and be disciplined to actually be on a course to build a brand you know in in, in, a, in a bigger company way let's say how ATNT would launch a product you know right, or absolutely yeah w- how well, do you uh, uh, advise entrepreneurs can sort of discipline that themselves well
0: let me give you another example which I, I think is a great contrast to, to Can right so you, there's no doubt can started off with lots of money they've raised lots of money um, and they're in it for the long run. So, you know, in in my opinion, their customer acquisition cost over the long-term is gonna be exorbitant, um, but they've got a long-term strategy and that's cool. Most cannabis companies can't afford that. So um, I'll give you another example. A few years back, Evergreen Herbal here in Washington state um, uh, purchased a facility which had bottling um, lines. There were three bottling lines and they hired me uh, to come in and be their chief brand officer. The first mm-hmm. um, issue that I dealt with was we have three bottling lines. What should we create? And so I said, well, who are your customers? And they said, we really didn't, we're not quite sure. And I Mm -hmm. said, okay, let's take a look at who's in Washington State and who we can sell to. And so fast forward, what we did was we created, we did some research. We found out very quickly that there's, Washington state is bifurcated by the mountains. There's Eastern Washington and Western Washington. Western Washington is Seattle and down the coast, it's very liberal. Eastern Washington, which is closer to Idaho and Montana is less liberal, certainly. And um, so I started to look into that. And then some of the things that I saw very quickly was Mm -hmm. there was a high percentage of veterans suffering from PTSD in Eastern Washington. And so we started to dig into that a little bit more. And we went to Mm -hmm. the, you know, local um, uh, veterans organizations and started to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And initially our thoughts were they're Republican and they're not interested in cannabis, they're anti-cannabis. But what Mm -hmm. we came to find was that they weren't really Republican, they were libertarian, and they were okay with cannabis as long as they could use it discreetly. And so you know, we we went to the uh, BFW, we started to ask more questions. And as we started to interview the veterans that were suffering from PS- PTSD, we realized they wanted to get off their meds. They were very interested in cannabis, but they didn't want to smoke it. So we talked to them about a cannabis infused beverage, and they were interested. And we mm-hmm. started to talk about what were beverages to them. And so You know, there was this hearkening back in nostalgia to Cola, you know, an American brand, if you will, from back in the day. And as these veterans started to think about this and share with this, what we ended up creating was a brand called Blaze American Cola. The tagline was the Cola Patriots Prefer. Mm -hmm. We launched it on the 4th of July. We did it in Spokane, Washington um, at the VFW where, you know, we, we worked with the veterans to promote this. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, or I should say at the end of two months, mm-hmm. we were the number one uh, cannabis infused beverage in Washington state. Why? Because we did very much like what Can is doing, but we found a community mm-hmm. that needed some love and some care and some attention. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the veteran community with suffering from PTSD, looking to, you know, swap out their medication for Mm. something different. We found them and we drove, you know, we created a product and we drove it to be number one in Washington state. So it's different than can it's different than the celebrities. It's different than the, Hey, we've got some serious backers. And now we have Mm. deep pockets it's more about who needs the product. How do we find them? How do we tailor a product to them? Mm. You know, again, the tagline, the name of the, the the name of the product, the the color palette was red, white, blue. When we launched the product, all of those things really spoke to the community and we were able to build a a beverage.
1: And while you're gathering all these questions and all this data, you know, I think you as a, you know, because your job is uh, to make sure the brand is perfect and brand definitions and everything is happening. How are you passing this as a company-wide SOP? Let's say you know that you want social media to adhere to these principles. You want sales reps to sort of bind to the philosophy of this. Like, how you know? Are there any tips on you know, as, as a chief brand officer? Now your job is to make sure everyone speaks and feels that brand right in a company. You know, right. how do you roll this out?
0: You know, it's funny. Um, we, I just got off um, uh, a call earlier with um, the executive vice president of human resources from Jushi. Mm-hmm. They now have over 1,500 employees, you know, that mm-hmm. are working in multiple states at both their, their cultivations, their grows, as well as their retail stores, because they're vertically integrated. And that was exactly the question I just asked, you know, of her, which is, you have so many different people in your organization at different places. How mm-hmm. do you share this information? And some information might be valid in one state and not in another, for example, mm-hmm. dosing, you know, dosing is different from state to state. So um, it takes a lot, you know, it's, it's sort of um, uh, I, I guess a menu approach, you know, but mm-hmm. it's almost, you um, know, this is an old school ter- term, but a Chinese menu approach where everything is valid on the menu, but mm-hmm. you, you may, take something over here or take something over there, you know, Mm -hmm. and and kind of choose it. So um, I think the, the answer though really is, um, is knowing who your audience or audiences are. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to basically dissect that and have, let's say verticals. so you've got Mm -hmm. your internal employees, maybe that's even dissected into you have your internal employees, but you also have your, Employees that touch customers, right, mm-hmm. which are a little different than the folks internally. Mm-hmm. And then, as you start to build out those verticals of who it is you're speaking to, mm-hmm. then you start to customize your your message. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that I always talk about is, um, you know, as I say, too much actually is meeting meeting your consumers or customers where they are. Mm-hmm. And and I always use this pool analogy. So if I'm gonna have a pool party and I've got 10 friends that come over and Mm -hmm. all 10 of those friends are really different in their swimming ability, Mm -hmm. uh, but I I wanna get them into the pool, I need to talk to them differently. So, you know, if I say, if one person says to me, hey, the pool's too shallow for me, you know I love diving, Mm -hmm. I would say, well, hey, let's go over to the deep end where the diving board is and you can dive right into the deep end and you'll be safe. And then my other friend says, yeah, the pool is too deep for me. I'm not a great swimmer. Well, let's go over to the shallow end. I'll mm-hmm. get you a, a life preserver. I'll help you. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, the pool is too cold. The pool is this, or mm-hmm. the pool is, that. You, you know, you the you know, the story, but there's a response to each one of those mm. friends that I want to get into the pool and the cannabis industry and cannabis consumers are very much the same thing. Mm. You know, the even if they're going to try the same product at the end of the day their reasons for trying the product or their willingness to jump in or not to jump in or to dip a toe in the pool before um, those all need to be addressed and you need to sort of speak to them and and you, you know really focus on what their issues are.
1: Get it you know one thing which we all suffer is to sort of measure a uh, branding play right like it's not like black and white sales where a where you knock on a door and then a dispensary gives you five case order you know uh it's so hard to measure you know brand overall like just how blur as a branding what is happening uh what are your ways to what are some indicators that say that hey this company you, you know you have no branding going on and and this company i think you have some branding uh, inbound traffic coming purely because of branding right you know, what are the things that you look for uh, that can tell you a little bit, you know, at least for entrepreneurs to just sort of measure this kind of things?
0: Right. Well, I mean, there's there's many different types of things, um, you know, for example, engagement. So, you, you know, um, and, and that could be anything from likes to conversations to all sorts of things online. So you, so
1: you think engagement, if it's high on something, some brand, it's active, that means it's a good uh, it's to do with the brand. I thought it's more to do with a copy of what's going on in that post, let's say.
0: Yeah, well, it's a combination of things, right? Okay. So, and that engagement is only one thing. You know, here, here's what happens often with, with marketing in general. And this was something I dealt with when I was at Microsoft. I remember my, my boss once asking me, so you're managing, you know, radio and television and mm-hmm. some of the campaigns we're doing. Break it down for me how's TV doing over radio over this and that? And I was like, I don't, I can't really tell you, you know, because it's, it's all, it's the effect of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. if somebody's a TV commercial and then they get into their car and they hear something on the radio, you you know, and they hear Microsoft again, or Xbox again, um, you know, and then they go home and they get online and their favorite influencer is talking about Xbox again. There's so many different ways to get, Kid and inundated with this. So many times, you know, and I'm doing this right now with a cannabis company, they're about to kick off a bunch of programs. For example, they want to do LinkedIn. They want to do a couple of, uh, of more organic programs. They want to hire an influencer. They want to do um, um, uh, a geofencing program where they're going to, you know, um, have people text. And I've said to them, don't do it all at once. And they mm-hmm. said, "Well, we're launching our product. We need to do it all at once." And I said, "If you do it all at once, you won't know where you're getting traction, mm. right? You know, in some ways, it's like if you walk into a dark room with one candle, you can see the difference that that one candle made in the dark room. Mm. If you walk in with the second candle, it's really hard to tell mm. how what a difference that second candle made." then even more so with the third and the fourth and the fifth right mm-hmm. you know before you know it you have a lit room but you don't really know which candle is making the difference mm-hmm. because they're, they're all working in unison so it's really important when you think about that think about your things in terms of if you're going to launch something launch it separately launch mm-hmm. it see the traction if there mm-hmm. is the traction launch your next a uh, program, whatever that might be, but be methodical in that. So you can actually see where the lift is. Otherwise you won't know where it's coming from.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so even more so, maybe even more importantly, instead of like, what are the metrics? Cause the metrics could be many different things. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger picture is how do you measure the metrics and how do you stop the, the muddying of the waters because you have too many metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, is probably a bigger issue you, you know when I think about it but Got it. You, you know I, I mean the truth is you know engagement is one thing where, where I started off but um, you know brand recognition um, and all of that either makes sense or doesn't make sense hmm. depending on where the brand is you about. think
1: taglines still make sense like having a byline and taglines or just playing with the name is better
0: Uh wow, that's a great question. Um I've noticed
1: a little less actions around taglines, you know. Especially yeah. the new ones.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I mean it's funny. Yes, I think there are fewer taglines, although as I was putting together my um, presentation for the cannabis drinks expo in Chicago, I pulled up the um, taste great, less filling as I started to, to look for taglines that appeared, appeal to women or might appeal mm. to different people for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. But that um, would
1: be the second biggest uh, sales point, right? Like, I mean, your best salesperson is that, the line below logo, I believe as well, right? In, in all honesty, you know, it's everywhere on a can in actual product which you're selling and it just says, whatever, it it's em- evokes the emotion. That's the idea of
0: uh, the tagline. Yes. Yes, and and you know it it really adds to so. For example, when I was at American Express and Mastercard, you know, I was there when we created "Don't Leave Home Without It" and "Priceless," and you know, good, I think, yeah, yeah,
1: emotional uh, stuff was there as
0: well. Exactly, you you know. So I I always remember the commercial of the dad bringing his daughter to the baseball Mm -hmm. game. Mm-hmm. You know, and he bought her, you know, the jersey and the hat. But
1: I think one other point which you made here was the whole ad and the whole thing was done to sort of uh, put tagline in minds of people. It was the tagline, actually. They were not selling MasterCard, they were selling Priceless.
0: Yes. And by the way, you know, which brings me to something you just reminded me of. Do you remember the commercial, Where's the Beef? Yeah. Do you know most people remember the tagline and not the brand? You know, so it's just interesting um, and it's funny when I think about it, where's the beef is either Wendy's or Arby's, right? But but most people don't remember, but they certainly remember where's the beef, um, you know, which brings the emotional component to it. Um, yeah. And that's that's really important.
1: Cool. I think we'll just wrap it up with the last one, uh, David, you know, just uh, in a nutshell, if you had to give uh, branding tips for you know, all these entrepreneurs, you know, uh, just a little five to six points where They really, really need to pay attention. What would that be?
0: Yeah, start off with your consumer. Who's your Mm -hmm. consumer? And if you don't know who your consumer is, who do you want your consumer to be? That would be be like the biggest advice I could give to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, In the cannabis space, I often joke that we create dad joke brands, you know, someone's stoned and they have a funny idea and they want to create a brand out of it. And I had somebody recently approach me for 421, better late than never. And they thought this was the best idea ever. And I thought that's a t-shirt at Spencer's at Spencer's or urban outfitters, but it's not a brand in my opinion. Um, you know, because it doesn't speak to a specific, um, customer or clientele or solve a problem or a need and i think if you can get to the you know to the core of that then you can start to by solving problems and and serving up solutions um, to a specific community then you're just leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else instead of just having another you know novelty brand or dad joke for your for your brand